Hello, I'm Jameis. And I'm Tessa. Welcome to our podcast that celebrates wordiness and nerdiness and sometimes plain absurdiness. Please join us for today's episode of Your Your New New Favorite Favorite Word. Thank you for joining us this week with episode 26 of Your New Favorite Word. We're excited to share this week's discoveries with you, so we'll just jump right in and let Tessa kick things off. What have you got for us this week, Tessa? Well, I have been reading this past week, started reading the biography of Catherine Littlefield Green. She was the wife of Revolutionary War General Nathaniel Green, and later, when she was widowed, she became an investor who saw the potential of Eli Whitney's proposed invention of the cotton gin Hmm. and helped to make it possible. It's a really interesting biography. But in this book, there's a letter from her husband in which he uses the word poltroonish. P-O-L-T-R-O-O-N-I-S-H. Poltroonish. Yes. And when I saw this, this immediately sparked a memory for me of studying for the National Spelling Bee (laughs) back when I was in eighth grade. (laughs) The word poltroon was on there. That's when I first saw this word. And the word poltroon means a coward, a scoundrel, or a midget. A midget. (laughs) (laughs) So if you listened to last week's episode, episode 25, you might remember that nidget was a dialectical form of the word idiot at some point. And if you want to know more about how that works, you can listen to that episode again. So a nidget is an idiot or fool or a coward. And a poltroon is a coward, a scoundrel, or a nidget. And this came into English in the 1520s through Middle French, originally from Italian. A word poltrone, a lazy (laughs) fellow or a coward, from a word poltro, meaning couch or bed. So Interesting. Yes. Like lazy bones almost. Kind of, yes. (laughs) So Adam Online gives a possible source of poltro itself from Old High German. So being borrowed from that language is interesting. But polstar, meaning pillow. <laughs> and you can hear the similarity to the word bolster, which is a kind yeah. of pillow, which comes from that same root. So my idea was maybe that someone lying on a bed or hiding under it versus <laughs> fighting would be a poltroon. The OED gives a different idea, and Adam Online says this is a possibility, that these words come from Latin pulus, meaning a young animal. And this comes from the same Proto-Indo-European root as words such as foal, pony, pullet, meaning a young fowl, and poultry. Oh, curious. (laughs) So if this is actually the family history, the etymology of poltroon, it's very interesting to me (laughs) that it comes from the same root as a word meaning chicken, (laughs) (laughs) which we also use to mean cowardly. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So some other, some phrases that are used, chicken hearted or chicken livered kind of have the same meaning, Mm -hmm. cowardly, Um, maybe from the idea that poultry are very easily frightened and so it's fascinating that makes sense yeah so just kind of going along with this word cloud kind of investigated some other words so the word coward itself for example i wondered does it come from k 
cow, like the verb, like to cow someone, oh, to yeah. intimidate or daunt. Is that related in any way? Uh, and the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not related. They're from different roots. But this idea, this verb to cow, to intimidate or daunt, comes from the idea that cows are easily herded, supposedly. I've never tried to herd cows myself. Mm, no, me neither. <laughs> but this idea that they might be. So then I wondered, is it related to the word cower, C-O-W-E-R? That seems likely, That seems right? likely, yeah. And the answer again is no, <laughs> they are not related. Isn't that interesting? That is really fascinating. Yeah, so the word cower originally meant to crouch, squat, or kneel from Middle Low German, kuren, K-U-R-E-N, to lie in wait. Yeah. That is not related to coward. And so I wanted to know where does this actually come from? And it's a very surprising to me etymology. So in the mid 13th century, this was borrowed into English from French, originally from a Latin word, coda, C-O-D-A. If you're into music, composition, classical music, you might be familiar with the term coda, which means tail, like the tail piece or the tail end of a piece of music. Edelman Line says that this word probably reflects an animal metaphorical sense still found in expressions like turning tail and tail between the legs. Okay. That's their idea about how tail could be associated with coward. Um, and it was originally in English spelled with a U, C-O-U-A-R-D. Oh. Uh, and they think that the spelling with the W was possibly influenced by the verb cow, that they were meaningfully connected and so they became connected in a spelling sense as well that's really fascinating how language does that yeah so it's no wonder i thought it might <laughs> be related <laughs> and then you might be familiar with a surname coward so such as the playwright noel coward but this doesn't mean that mr coward is cowardly it comes from the old english cowherd cooherd C-U-H-Y-R-D-E, meaning cowherd. So Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So a totally different <laughs> source for the surname coward than the word coward. And then another fun synonym of coward and poltroon is dastard. D-A-S-T-A-R-D. We usually hear it in the sense of dastardly, right? A dastardly deed. Um, but this can be a noun as well, describing a person. Originally, in the mid-15th century, it was a term of contempt for one who was lazy or dull. So it, it had that laziness kind of okay. connotation more. And probably from a word, dazen, to daze. Like to be oh. dazed, D-A-Z-E. Right? Uh -huh. And the idea of someone who shirks from danger and is a base coward uh, came later in the 15th, late 15th century. So another, an interesting word that has a shared meaning with these words is a French word, gavache, G-A-V-A-C-H-E, meaning a coward or a dastard, from Old Provençal gavotte, G-A-V-O-T, which was a term used to describe people from a certain region, from an alpine area. <laughs> so an alpine resident was a gavotte. And you might think that that relates to a dance from the 1690s, Gavotte, G-A-V-O-T-T-E. Yeah. It was a mountaineer's dance, so it was named for the people in this region, probably okay. came from their folk dance. But these came from that term for the, the people in that area, and 
it's said, and this is questionable but interesting, that this literally meant a boar or a glutton, to probably describing what people thought of people from that region. And this word came from gaver, to stuff or force-feed poultry. (laughs) So we come full circle back to our poultry. There it is again. Chickens are everywhere (laughs) when you're talking about cowardice. That's really fun. That's what I learned this week. That's great. Thank you, Tessa. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for listening. How about you, Jameis? What's your new favorite word? Okay, so hodgepodge (laughs) is a delightful word. Yes, it is. Just feel it roll around in your mouth. Hodgepodge. (laughs) The sense that I'm most familiar with is that of a haphazard jumble, either literally or figuratively. The OED quotes this fabulous usage example. The horse treated me to a hodgepodge of all his several gates at once. (laughs) (laughs) Another usage example from the OED. Roots, wood, bark, and leaves clapped hodgepodge together. They don't make a tree. (laughs) So just random, that kind of idea. Exactly. Related or unrelated. Yeah. Just this jumble of things. Okay. So the word itself originally described a kind of stew. Oh. So its current sense isn't surprising. It is a variation, the OED says, corruption of the word hotchpotch, (laughs) which is still in use apparently, though it's entirely new to me. In fact, in English law, a hotchpotch is a collection of various properties that have been brought together in order to divide them equally. I love it. That's a a legal term. Isn't that great? Yes. It sounds like a slang term, but it's actually (laughs) very formal. Yeah. In that sense, because it is still, like, even a hotchpotch was a stew. Like, (laughs) it had that meaning and was borrowed into the legal terminology of English law. And the word hotchpotch is itself a corruption of hotchpot, another word that is apparently still used and also means both a stew and a collection of properties. (laughs) Hotchpot. And hotchpot dates clear back to the 14th century and is taken from the French word hushpo, which is a kind of stew. And How we do can you spell that. So that's H O C H E P O T. Okay. Hoshpo. And we can trace its etymology etymology a bit further. The hosh in hoshpo is from the French hoche, which means to shake. And po, which though pronounced differently, means and is spelled exactly like the English word pot. So this hoshpo, this stew, was literally a shaken pot of everything <laughs> tossed in and shaken oh, together. Oh, I love that. Isn't that great? And yes. so, yeah, we still have that meaning of hodgepodge that kind of has that same sense. But I never thought of it as a stew. That's going to give it a very different image in my mind when I use that word. As I was researching this and I looked for hodgepodge, just Googling, like there was a recipe that came up, <laughs> Nova Scotian hodgepodge. Oh, I love it. And, Let's uh, make it for dinner. Yeah, we should totally. <laughs> So there's lots of different hodgepodges, but that was one of them. And the word, the hoche, that French root, is actually still alive today in English, though uncommon, in the form of the verb hotch, H-O-T-C-H. I know that I've ever heard that. So though rare, it's used to describe a jerky up and down motion or a fidgeting. (laughs) The OED quotes the following sentence from 1963. Philip will be hotching to get away. <laughs> we need to add a frequentative suffix and make hotchel. Hotchel, yes. <laughs> because it needs to be repeated. <laughs> yes. I love it. I think it's wonderful. I'm hotching to put this word to use. <laughs> so as I was researching hodgepodge, though, I came across various other words that overlap its meaning. So mishmash 
is one. <laughs> and Mingle Mangle was new to me, but it's uh, it's fabulous. a thing. There are two fun examples that employ reduplication to emphasize the jumbled aspect of what they're describing. Then there's Gallimaufry. <laughs> Tell G- me how to spell that. G-A-L-L-I-M-A-U-F-R-Y. Wow. Gallimaufry. What a fantastic word. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yes. And it comes from the same culinary lineage as hodgepodge and describes a dish made of bits of this and that all tossed together. Figuratively, though, it's used much like hodgepodge, and the adjectival form, gallimaufrical, <laughs> though uncommon, is a wonderful synonym for miscellaneous. Oh, wow. Isn't that great? Yes. And then there's farrago, F-A-R-R-A-G-O, which, again, I'd never heard of before, but which was used as early as the 1600s and comes from the Latin word for mixed fodder for cattle. Mm. It's also used in much the same way as hodgepodge, as in the children's rooms were a farrago of toys and discarded clothing. (laughs) That sounds too familiar. (laughs) I know, a little too close to home. My favorite discovery through this research came when I looked more closely at the related phrase odds and ends. Yeah. The OED seems pretty certain that the phrase comes from relatively benign beginnings with the 16th century phrase odd ends which meant leftover scraps of some material like lumber or cloth. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes perfect sense, and I see no reason to doubt them. But there was a book published in 1882 by Abraham, or Abram Smith Palmer called, and this is a mouthful, Folk Etymology, a Dictionary of Verbal Corruptions or Words Perverted in Form or Meaning by False Derivation or Mistaken Analogy. Oh, we need this book. <laughs> Is it available? <laughs> it's available on Google Books, so Fabulous. you can look for it there. Definitely will. The book suggests that the phrase odds and ends comes from a supposed earlier dialectical phrase, orts and ends, where ort, O-R-T, is a cousin to the word eat and means a fragment of food left over from a meal. That's a crossword puzzle word. That has shown up in our crossword puzzles. Totally. (laughs) You might say to your children, don't make orts, meaning eat everything, no leftovers. But I had (laughs) never heard the word outside of crossword puzzles before. Palmer goes further into a supposed etymology of ort, claiming it's related to an Old English word for point, and thus claiming that odds and ends originally meant points and ends, or, and this is a stretch, beginnings and ends. Mm. It feels like a stretch to me, and I couldn't find any other more recent sources that quoted that in anything other than like just mimicking what, like aping that response. Mm-hmm. Still, though it hardly sounds like one, ort is a real word. Like you said, it's popped up in crossword puzzles. Even Shakespeare used it in Act 5, Scene 2 of Troilus and Cressida, where Troilus insists that Cressida is his. <laughs> he says, and pardon a longish quote, because the use of ort is fantastic. Cressid is mine, tied with the bonds of heaven. Instance, O oh instance, strong as heaven itself. The bonds of heaven are slipped, dissolved, and loosed. And with another knot, five finger tied, the fractions of her faith, orts of her love, the fragments, scraps, the bits and greasy relics of her o'er-eaten faith are bound to die <laughs> Wow. Leave it to Shakespeare to say, like, Diomed gets, you know, the, the leftovers. leftovers of her love. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the, the orts of her love. Yes. So it's while the phrase orts and ends pops up here and there in the 18th and 19th centuries, 
I had a hard time finding anything to support the theory that it's the origin of odds and ends. It's fun to say, though. It is. It is. And so while it's more likely that orts and ends is actually a dialectical pronunciation of odds and ends, and I put more faith in the etymology given by the OED, I have to admit, I enjoy this less likely version more. (laughs) So you have to admit, some of the best etymologies are the invented ones. Yes, that's so true. (laughs) So there you have it. Thank you so much, Jameis. That's the orts of my research. (laughs) And thank you for listening. We hope that you continue to enjoy our show and that you will help spread the word. As always, we would love to hear from you at any time. So feel free to reach out and let us know what's your new favorite word.